We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. We started a series a couple of weeks ago on strategy for city transformation. We did two messages in that series. Let's quickly review on what we were talking about city transformation. What do we mean when we use the word or the term city transformation? We're talking about the spiritual transformation of the lives of people in our city. We're talking about winning people to Jesus Christ and discipling them in the faith. That's what we mean when we talk about city transformation. And as a consequence of people coming to know Jesus, other spheres of society will be affected. Sin will fall. There will be a decline in other things. But our primary objective, our primary focus in city transformation is the salvation of souls, of, of people being saved and made disciples. Now, why do we discuss, why do we engage and talk about city transformation? Because this is part of fulfilling the Great Commission in our day. 200 years ago, only 3% of the world's population lived in cities. So if you wanted to be a missionary, you would talk about, you know, going off into some far off place, remote place, you know, going in bullock carts across rivers and mountains and valleys to evangelize, to share the gospel. But in today's world, 50% of the world's population live in cities and that number is only increasing. Which is why we need to focus our efforts on reaching people in cities. We cannot ignore cities. And if we want to be missionaries, it's not just about going off to far off places, but it's looking at our cities and saying, how can I be a missionary in my own city? How can I be engaged in urban missions, if you want to call it that? So the reason we're talking about city transformation is because it's the fulfilling of the Great Commission in our day. We need to engage with cities. We talked about keys to city transformation. I'll just review, I'm just reviewing this now. Uh, some of the keys we talked about is that city transformation will take place when every believer is involved in city transformation. Cities are not going to be transformed by great evangelists or big churches or, you know, superstar Christians. Cities are going to be transformed when every believer, you and I, are involved in the process of seeing our cities saved and reached for Jesus Christ. Secondly, we said that therefore, every believer should experience personal transformation and should be equipped and empowered for city transformation. Believers are not just church attenders. Your call is not just to attend church. Your call is not just to, you know, come to church Sunday after Sunday, feel like I've done my religious duty for the week and then, you know, go back and do whatever you do during the week. That's not your call. Your call is to be a disciple and a disciple maker of Jesus Christ. Amen? You need to be, to experience personal transformation. You experience the working of God in your life and then you need to be equipped and empowered to go out and make a difference for Jesus Christ in this world. And that's why we exist as a church, to equip and empower God's people to make a difference in this world. Number three, we said, uh, the city transformation will take place when every believer engages in city, in city transformation, starting from their circle of influence. So to see the city transform, we begin with our circle of influence. 
You know, you don't have to go very far to impact lives for Jesus. Just start where you are. And that's what we'll be talking about a little later this morning. Number four, uh, city transformation will take place when we combine our efforts into a strategic movement that is planned and executed with wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. So we can't just, you know, engage in sporadic efforts, random efforts, loosely connected efforts. No, we've got to have a plan. We've got to create this as a movement that will begin to affect the city of Bangalore. Amen? And we're all part of this movement to see our city saved and discipled for Jesus. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and how to release and initiate and cause and manage and lead this movement. Number five, city transformation is a spiritual effort and so we must use spiritual resources. So city transformation is not just a program, a church program. It's not a nicely organized event. It is a spiritual effort. Amen? If you're going into Malishwaram or Bangalore West and to see people saved, they're not going to be saved because we've got some great programs. They're not going to be saved because we've got some nice entertainment. It's a spiritual battle. We must use spiritual resources. We'll be fools to think that we can go and win people to Jesus by just having some nice programs. Nobody's going to be affected by nice programs. We need people who can pray. We need people who can engage in the realm of the spirit to see people brought out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? We talked about tools for city transformation. And again, I'm reviewing here quickly. We talked about five important tools. We said first one is our own personal lifestyle. Our lifestyle, our walk must match our talk. Our lives must be aligned to kingdom values and kingdom principles. And, and we take that into our world. Our lifestyle is very important. We must communicate the gospel. We must share about Jesus. Uh, we must demonstrate the love and the power of God. We are, each one of us, our instruments, our vehicles for the demonstration of God's love and God's power in this world. We must uh, uh, be involved in prayer and intercession with fasting. And, and even as we begin to move in some of these difficult areas like Bangalore West and begin to look at uh, Mangalore City, you know, we need more people who just pray, will be in the background praying and interceding. And great victories will be won because people are praying and interceding. Amen. So we must engage in prayer and intercession. And we must also, number five, engage in spiritual warfare. We talked about these things. This morning, I want to focus on what we had said earlier, that every believer must engage in city transformation, starting with a circle of influence. With your circle of influence. So I want to talk about that this morning and address one of two areas. When we talk about circle of influence, each one of us has a social circle of influence. We also have a geographic circle of influence. Our social circle of influence is all the people we meet and interact with Monday through Saturday. If you are a student, there are people in your school, in your college, in your university that you interact with. That's your social sphere of influence. If you are a business person, you're in the marketplace, you interact with people in your office, you interact with people in your place of work. That's your social sphere of influence. And you're interacting with them almost five to six days a week. And you and I need to begin city transformation in that sphere of influence. 
Our geographic sphere of influence has to do with the place where we live. You live in Jakur, you live in Koramangla, you live in Indranagar, you live Kamanahali or God City, Cockstown, is it? Whatever. I don't know which one. The highly Christian dominated area. Wherever. You live there, that's your geographical sphere of influence. We'll address that in our message next, the, next time. This morning, I want to talk about some simple ways you and I can begin to work on city transformation by engaging with our social sphere of influence. For most of us, it is our place of work. That's where we spend five to six days a week. Now, society, and you've heard me share this many times before, Society or our social can be broadly divided into seven mountains or seven pillars of society or seven spheres of influence. I think it was in 2010 we did an extensive series on the seven mountain assignment where we looked at each one of these mountains and how we as believers can go and influence these seven mountains. And so this is just simple review for those who heard this before. There are seven mountains, so seven mind molders, or so seven pillars of society. The mountain of family, all of us are part of this mountain. The mountain of religion, all of us sitting here are part of this mountain. The mountain of belief systems. The mountain of business, many of us are on this mountain. The mountain of government, some of us may be involved in civil service, you're on this mountain. The mountain of arts and entertainment, those of you who are in sports, those of you who are in some way in the film industry or in drama or in any expression of the art, painting, creative talent, expression of creative talent, you're on this mountain in arts and entertainment. The mountain of education, some of your teachers, lecturers, professors, principals, you are on this mountain, the mountain of education. There's the mountain of media. Some of you are involved in this mountain. You work for, you know, Times of India or the Hindu Indian Express. Uh, you, maybe it's some other, you know, some television network, whatever. These are, this is the mountain of media, the, the transfer of news and information. You're on this mountain. So all of us are on one or more of these mountains. We're engaged there. That is our social sphere of influence. And we must begin to work on city transformation right there. On your mountain, you and I can engage in city transformation. Now, I'm just giving you a little bit understanding on the seven mountain assignment. You can go to our website, download the full study, full series from 2010, get a clear understanding on the assignment that God has given to the church. But I just want to quote one verse of scripture here in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied. And Micah also prophesied the same thing in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'll read it for us from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He prophesied. It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Meaning, the mountain of God's house will be established on the top of the other mountains. And will be exalted above the hills and all nations will flow to it. Many people will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Bible prophecy, 
many cases there is dual fulfillment. There is a spiritual fulfillment and there is a literal fulfillment in much of Bible prophecy. For instance, whenever the word Zion is used, Zion is used for the literal house of Israel, but Zion is also used for the New Testament church. So when the Old Testament prophecy refers to Zion, there is a spiritual fulfillment that is expected of the church. There is a literal fulfillment of the house of Israel. So here, there is a dual fulfillment of Isaiah 2, 2 and 3. The literal fulfillment is through the house of Israel, to the nation of Israel. But the spiritual fulfillment, like many other prophecies, we won't get into it. But like many other prophecies, there is a spiritual fulfillment by the church. The term, the mountain of the Lord's house, simply means God's people. The term mountain is used to refer to the people of God. Mount Zion. In Hebrews 12, 22, you've come to Mount Zion, the assembly of God's people. So mountain simply means God's people. So what is Isaiah prophesying? He's saying in the last days, God's people will be established on the top of the other mountains. Meaning God's people will take their place, their role, their position on the other mountains. And what will it result in? The fulfillment of God's heart. What is it? That people will begin to flow to it. They will come to the people of God and say, come, we want to know about your God. Teach us his laws. Teach us his ways. We want to know about your God. Amen. The church is positioned today to fulfill this prophecy. God's people are to take their places on these mountains so that the house of the Lord will be established there. And so I want to encourage you and I. See, we are here fulfilling Bible prophecy. We are here not by accident. The body of Christ is here to see the purpose of God fulfilled on the earth. And one of the things he wants to see is his house established on the other mountains. Amen? So this morning, I want to just share with you a simple four-step process. On how you and I can influence or engage and transform our social sphere of influence, which is one of these seven, one or more of these seven mountains that you and I are involved in. A simple four-step process. Number one is to explore your mountain. Number two, engage your mountain. Number three, evangelize your mountain. Number four, equip people on your mountain. I want to talk about these four things. Explore your mountain. Understand the mountain that God wants you to be involved in. Are you on the mountain of education? Are you on the mountain of government, of business? Are you on the mountain of family? All of us are involved in some way or the other, but some of us may have an assignment on the mountain of family to help families, to help people. Are you on the mountain of arts and entertainment? Are you on the mountain of media? What's your mountain? Once you determine where God wants you to be involved in, you and I need to explore the mountain. Before God got his people into the land of promise in the Old Testament, Numbers 13, he said, I want you to go and spy out the land. Get a feel of the terrain. What's the land all, all about? What's it like? What are the kind of people are in living in it? What are the challenges there? What are the opportunities? What is the fruit of the land? So explore your mountain. 
Now, many believers are afraid to explore their mountain. Because the church has mistakenly called many things as taboo and said, no, don't go there. No, don't go on the mountain of education. It'll corrupt your minds. So, 1000 pass is enough. Don't go on the mountain of arts and entertainment. You will lose your purity. Don't go to the mountain of media. Don't. So the, so the, the church has, has very incorrectly held its people back. But be a Bible believer. God says that his mountain will be on top of all the other mountains. Amen? Just tell them, you take a walk. I'll believe the Bible. Amen? The Bible says the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on the top of all the other mountains and the hills and people will come to it. So explore your mountain. Find out what are the challenges. Look at the opportunities in your mountain. Don't shy away from it. You know, understand that everything that God has placed, everything in its purest form, Originally belongs to God. Science, technology, music, dance, drama, art, everything in its original form belongs to God. Now, man has perverted it, the devil has corrupted it through. But in its original form, who's the owner? God. Who's the source? God. God is the source of science. Science wasn't given to disprove God's existence. Science was given to help us understand our creator and his creation. That's the original. But man has corrupted it and used the science to try and disprove God. But you shouldn't shy away from science. You shouldn't shy away from technology. Computers came, oh, that's the mark of the beast, 666, stay away. Oh. Before that, television. Ooh, television. It's like, you know, stay away from television. And so the church has so incorrectly uh, held its people back. But God wants us to go into the world. Beyond the mountains. Understand that everything in its original form came from God. He is the original owner. Man has corrupted it. The devil's perverted it. But you... Look at it in its purest form. It belongs to God. Look at these scriptures. The Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell in it. Psalm 50 verse and All the natural resources belong to God. Every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. Haggai 2.8 The silver is mine. The gold is mine. God is the original owner. Amen? So don't shy away from these things. Go explore it. Look at uh, the opportunities. But of course, be aware that there are challenges. There are giants on the mountain. Don't go in there blindfolded. It's also important for us to understand that God has provided for the redemption. That is the recovery and the restoration of all things. 
God has already provided for it. God wants science to be redeemed back to himself. He wants technology to be redeemed back to himself. He wants business to be redeemed back to himself. He wants education to be redeemed back to himself. He wants government to be redeemed back to himself. He wants arts and entertainment to be redeemed back to himself. He wants the media to be redeemed back to himself. He wants a family. He wants religion. All of this to to be redeemed back to himself. Yes, in the world it's perverted. Yes, in the world there's a lot of it that's corrupted. But the redemption of all things has been provided for. Amen? Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 16, By Him all things were created. Everything was created by Him. All things were created through Him and for Him. It was created, it, all of things were created for the Lord. And then it says in verse 20, that it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. In verse 20, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Whether there are things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. That means through the cross of Jesus, all things are to be redeemed, restored, recovered back for Jesus Christ. So when you go into your mountain, sure, you'll find a lot of things that are perverted. Sure, you'll find a lot of things corrupted. But when you go in there, you go in as God's redemptive agent. You go in there to see that sphere that area that you're engaged in to be redeemed back to God. If people are misusing it, you're there to make sure it's put to the right use. That's redeeming it. Recovering and restoring it. Amen? And you and I are God's redemptive agents in this world. Jesus Christ has paid the price on the cross for all things to be reconciled back to himself and you and I are going into the world to see this actually happen. Because all things belong to God. So explore your mountain with this perspective. That you know God is the original owner of all these things. Just because man has corrupted it. The devil's perverted. I shouldn't be afraid of it. Music came from heaven. Although some music you need to close your ears to. That doesn't mean all music is bad. It's just that they played wrong. So you go in as God's redemptive agent to redeem music back to God. He is the original musician, if you will. Amen? Don't shy away from it. Go in there. Look at yourself. Explore your mountain boldly. But of course, with the wisdom of God, with the mind of God. Secondly, you and I must engage our mountain. Engage your mountain. Once you know the mountain that God wants you to be involved in, or mountains, some of us may be involved in more than one mountain, one sphere of inf- more than one sphere of influence, begin to engage it. Use these tools that we talked about. Your personal lifestyle. Let your light shine. Let people see your good works. Let them see the wisdom of God coming through, the skill of God, uh, the blessing of God. Let them see the wisdom of God coming through. Let them see the love of God coming through. You, through your lifestyle, begin to affect culture. Don't flow with the tide. Dare to be against, stand against the grain. Amen? There's no point if you get into your sphere of influence and just do everything that everybody else is doing. How are you going to let your light shine? You cannot be a redemptive agent then. So you're going to have, let, through your lifestyle, through the way you live, the values that you stick to, the, the culture that you bring in there, 
you are showing that you belong to a different kingdom. That's very important. Your lifestyle, your personal lifestyle. Another very important tool we talked about was communicate the gospel. Share Jesus. Ask the Lord. Give me opportunities. I need to talk to people about Jesus. Number three, demonstrate the love and the power of God. All that we've been talking about, our spiritual authority, the, the prophetic, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, uh, ministering, healing, and deliverance, take it to the marketplace. These are not things just to play within church. You come to church to be equipped with these things. For what? To take it out into the world and bless lives, touch lives with it. The reason we talk about spiritual authority, we, the reason we talk about the, the prophetic, the reason we talk about the anointing of God is so that all of us can take it to our world and impact our world with it. Amen? So go use these spiritual resources God's given to us. Number four, pray and intercede. You know, pray for your office. When you go to the office, you know, don't try to take on the whole world's business, but just in your own office that you go into, you know there are lots of people there who don't know Jesus. Pray for them. Say, Lord, I pray for these people. They don't know you, God. Forgive, Lord, their ignorance. Forgive what they don't, the things that they're doing, which they're doing out of their ignorance, Lord, forgive. Lord, show your mercy. Lord, show your compassion to these people. Just pray for them. Intercede. This way you're engaging your sphere of influence through prayer. Ask the Lord to draw people to himself. And in your place, your sphere of influence, you establish God's presence through your prayer, your praise, your worship, your works of righteousness. You establish the presence of God in your office. You say, but everybody in my office are unbelievers and atheists. But it's okay, you're there. You bring the presence of God in. You do works of righteousness. You say, everybody in my office are you know, just terrible people. They don't care about anyone else. Uh, they're out there for their own. You go in there. You establish the presence of God. You do what's right. Engage in warfare. Confront and cast out demonic presence that you may see in your sphere of influence. You know, Jesus said this in John 12, verse 31 and 32. He's talking about his death on the cross. And he said this. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. If I be lifted up on the cross, he's talking about, I will draw all men to myself. So what happened on the cross? On the cross, two very important things happened. The judgment of the world took place and the ruler of this world was cast out. The judgment of the world took place. God judged the sins of this world and he announced a work verdict. That's judgment. He pronounced a verdict. That man can be free from the, their sins, can receive forgiveness if they believe in Jesus Christ. That verdict was announced on the cross. But also on the cross, the ruler of this world was cast out. Meaning, to put it in modern terms, he was kicked out. The ruler of this world was kicked out. He gained entrance through Adam in the Garden of Eden. He was kicked out through Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane or, or Golgotha on the cross. Which means that Satan no longer has legal control over humankind. Because that was put to an end on the cross. The ruler of this world was cast out on the cross. The reason Satan continues to dominate and control people's lives is because they don't know the truth. That's the only thing that's keeping people from experiencing 
liberty that's given to us to the cross. But you and I know the truth. So when you pray for people, you pray with authority. You say, Satan, you've been cast out. You know that. So take your hands of these people. I'm claiming them for Jesus. I want these people in my office to come to know the truth. To come to know Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, I will draw all men to myself. So you're praying. Jesus, draw these people to you. Pray. Amen? So go confront. Jesus has finished the work on the cross. We're here to enforce that victory here on earth. Number three, evangelize. Which means you lead people into a commitment to Jesus Christ. See, it's not enough to be a good Christian. You can be the best Christian and people will still go to hell. What's the point? You've got to get people to make a commitment to Jesus. You've got to evangelize. You've got to share the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Your life is good. But your life itself is not going to save anyone. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to save them. Your life is important. Your testimony is important. But that in itself is not going to change anyone's spiritual destiny. They need to hear the gospel. Amen? So, share. We have to evangelize. We've got to tell people... This is what Jesus did for you on the cross and you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Nothing else is going to change their eternal destiny. So Romans 1.16, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 21-25, the gospel is the message of the cross. We need to proclaim the cross of Jesus for people to be saved. And lastly, equip people. That means once people make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ, equip them to be disciples. So you explore, you engage, you evangelize, and you equip. How can you transform your sphere of influence? Explore it. Don't be afraid. Say, Lord, where should I position myself? You know, I'm praying. I pray for 10 years in advance. I pray 20 years in advance. Lord, how do I affect the cities in my nation? What I do today, I'm looking at 20 years from now. I'm not just doing it for the sake of doing something now. I'm looking ahead. Same thing in the business. Lord, what should I do? So you think that way. Explore. Lord, where should I be? So that the rest of my life can have maximum impact for the kingdom of God. That's the way you should go about life. Maximize your impact in the marketplace. So explore your marketplace, your sphere of influence. Engage in it. Start engaging now. Don't wait for, you know, later on. Engage now. Do what you can now. Evangelize. Lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. Equip them. Jesus said, make disciples. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. Now to do this, you need to receive strategies from the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God will give you strategies. He will show you how you should evangelize. He will show you how you should equip. There are many ways you could do it. You could, you know, do a prayer meeting during your lunch break. You'd have a prayer time after office hours. You can invite people home. You can just do things. Step out and do things. Be courageous. Amen? Amen? Do things others have never tried before. 
God may be giving you a very unique idea. Go to it. But you are God's redemptive agent. See, transformation is going to happen when each one of us do our parts. Amen? It's not because of some great evangelist or some great pastor, some great church. It's because every believer begins to engage in city transformation. I need to pray for a few minutes before we dismiss this morning. And say, God, I want to explore, I want to engage, I want to evangelize, I want to equip. Four simple steps for you and me to engage in the process of city transformation. Explore your mountain. Explore the terrain that God wants you to operate in. Try to understand it. Think long term. Think how the rest of your life can have impact for the kingdom of God. Don't just think about, you know, okay, I'm going to get a degree and then, you know, I'll get a job and then I'll earn some money and I'll buy a house and get a car and retire. I mean, come on. You can think about that when you get to heaven. For now, you've got to think about how your life, your one life, is going to make impact for the kingdom of God. Yes, you need to have a job and you need to earn money and you need to have food on the table and all that. All that is important. I'm not, not saying it's not. But I'm saying we are living for a higher purpose. We are living for a greater call. We want to maximize the impact our life can have for the kingdom of God. So explore your terrain. Explore your mountain with that in mind. Then begin to engage all the things you learn in church. Go use it outside. Use it in the world. Begin, begin to evangelize. Get people to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And then equip them. Teach them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Teach them how they can explore, how they can engage, how they can evangelize in turn. This morning, would you take a few moments, please, to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts. Ask the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning. Would you pray? And say, Lord, I want my life to count for your kingdom. I want to obey God. I want my life to count. Show me how to explore. Show me how to engage. Show me how to evangelize. Show me how to equip. Where you place me, God. Father, we just pray by your spirit, Lord, that you raise up men and women of destiny. Raise up history makers, O oh God. Raise up men and women whose lives will count for the kingdom of God in our city, in our nation, and even across nations, God. Raise up men and women who will influence the influencers. Raise up men and women who will be able to get into the high places of society and touch those lives who otherwise may never be touched. 
Raise up men and women who will go to the lowest of the low, the poorest of the poor. In the dark parts of our city and our nation, God. Who will touch those lives. But otherwise may never be touched with the love and power of Jesus. Oh God, make us a people of destiny. Make us a people of purpose. Use each one. Use each one. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to break up all the fear. Break up all the things that restrain us, constrain us, limit us. Break it all off, Lord. And let each one arise as men and women of great faith and great power, Lord. Let each one arise as men of great faith and great power. Let great signs and wonders be done through our lives that will glorify Jesus Christ. for some of us maybe we need to just change the way we've been praying maybe we've been praying and saying God give me a job give me a better job give me a better position give me a better salary but I think if you just change the way you pray and say Lord show me God how I can be useful for your kingdom in my workplace make me useful for your kingdom in the marketplace make me useful for your kingdom in my place of work, you will see amazing things happen. Because Jesus said, if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. So just change the way you pray. Put his kingdom first. Say, God, in this place, how can I serve the purpose of your kingdom? Don't worry about the job. Don't worry about the raise. Don't worry about more money. Just say, Lord, how can I serve your kingdom? And all these other things, the promotions, the increase, all the other, other things will be added to you. Just change the way you pray. Father, we just pray your blessing on everyone that we will go out from this place encouraged and empowered to make a difference knowing that every one of us count for the kingdom of God. The least one of us, the smallest one of us counts for the kingdom of God. Send us, Lord, to make a difference for your kingdom. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's close. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you.
Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go be God's redemptive agent in your sphere of influence. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.